Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Alexis McGrigg, a contemporary artist who examines themes of blackness, space, spirituality, identity, and collective consciousness. Her artwork utilizes the mediums of painting, drawing, and interdisciplinary media to explore the multiplicity of blackness through figurative abstraction and conceptual narratives. She integrates poetry, sound, and performance in her arts practice and research. Her artwork is included in several private collections and has been featured in exhibitions across the United States in New York, Chicago, Miami, New Orleans, and Oakland, California, and internationally. Her recent solo exhibitions include And the Beloved at Almin Reich Gallery in Brussels, The Labor of Being at Almin Reich in Paris, The Ether, Journey in Between at Richard Beaver's Gallery in New York City. Group exhibitions include Say It Loud at Christie's Auction House, Light at the CICA in South Korea, to name just a few. Alexis earned her Bachelor of Fine Art in Painting from Mississippi State University and a MFA with a concentration in Painting and Transmedia for Texas Tech University. Please enjoy this episode featuring Alexis McGrigg and visit CerebralWomen.com for additional information. Alexis, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Phyllis. I'm happy to be here. Happy summer. So let's start with, when did you discover your love of the visual arts that you want to be an artist? Um, I don't think it was really a discovery. I think um, it was always a part of my life since I was a child. It was just something that I was always extremely interested in, kind of like making things, crafting things with my hands. And my mom and my family, they were always very nurturing of that, always kind of bringing me things to, to make, <laughs> make <laughs> little items with. And so I always had an interest in it, but I don't think that I really knew what the possibilities were of like being an artist until I got to high school. I went to a performing arts school called the Mississippi School of the Arts in Mississippi. And um, it was there that it kind of, they crafted these op- these um, opportunities for us to learn more about what the life of a professional artist looked like and having an arts practice and kind of developing all these foundational skills. So it was when I went there that, that you know, I had that kind of aha moment that, oh, this is something that I could pursue as a career. Now, how I'm going to go about that, I don't know, but... 
that was when the light bulb went off. Wow, that's great. That's great that you had the opportunity to go through that process mm-hmm. and look at it from a, a sort of a business perspective as well as from an artist's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you define your practice? I would say my practice is, in some ways, it's kind of like a therapy. <laughs> I kind of think of it as a way to be still. In fact, the only time that I find myself still, like mentally, physically, is when I'm working in my studio. And so I find that kind of therapeutic. It helps me to like stop and slow down and and think clearly and, and see the world and think more clearly about my work. So for me, it's like therapy, but it's a spiritual practice, but it's also me sort of crafting these stories that I feel compelled to tell. So it's like this whirlwind of finding stillness and being at peace with myself and finding a way to help the world visualize these images that I have constantly floating in my mind. And are you listening to music while you're working? I don't listen to music while I'm working because I find it sort of distracting. Uh, It kind of takes me out of this imaginative or speculative world that I'm always thinking of about music kind of makes me (laughs) in a weird way it makes me feel more human and I don't want to feel more human while I'm working I want to kind of be pulled out of this reality because that's what I'm always talking about is creating parallel or alternate realities to that which we can see now Um, and so music it makes me remember you know that I'm here on earth and so I, I find it very, very distracting. So I don't listen to music in short. I don't listen to music at all. So what's the process of choosing color? Um, my palette is, is usually pretty consistent. And the palette that I usually go for are sort of magentas, violets, blue violets, sometimes a little bit of orange, a little bit of lime green. Um, and one signature color that I'm always using is gold. Um, and I choose those colors mainly because when I think about um, celestial space and like the depths, the far furthest depths of space, uh, while we might at a very surface level think of space as sort of the black deepness, I think that if it if there were a light to be shined through that space, it would be illuminated with all these a range of colors. And those colors in my mind are violets, magentas, blues, cerulean, turquoise, all those things that were kind of illuminate as this particulate. And so I try to mimic that in my work. And also just looking at some of the NASA space images of any of the planets or any of the stars or galaxies and things like that, they're always very vividly, vividly colored. And so I feel, I feel connected to that kind of palette in a way. There's particularly this one image that I've seen of these kind of gaseous forms out in space called the pillars of creation. And when I saw the shapes of these gaseous forms and the color and looking at my work, I was like, ha ha, you're on it. <laughs> you, you've made it. You, you, you were definitely correct in the palette that you've been working toward. And I see why it makes so much sense looking at those colors and looking at the work. I mean, the color of my work, it just made sense. So that's usually the power I stick with. So share with us the concepts and the thought process that connects your work. So a large part of my work focuses around 
this idea of the soul without the body and how it sort of moves or travels through celestial space and using that notion as a parallel to the black experience and how black people have to navigate the world. So thinking about those two realities and the imagery that I make is really thinking about what does it look like for a soul to be without the body and what form, what shapes does it take in order to travel through this space? And and what is that space? And um, what's the temperature of that space? And uh, what's the color of the space? And how quickly is it moving? Is it filled with particulate? Is it still? Is it, you know, asking myself all these kinds of questions to help me formulate these images. But in addition to that, thinking about souls traveling through space, I'm also thinking about these kind of parallel or alternate realities that are existing at the same time while we're navigating here on earth. So while the souls are existing in space, are they also existing here? We just can't see them. Are they still connected to human forms in some way? Are we existing on this plane? And then there's another plane, another plane and all these dimensions that are existing at the same time and having sort of similar experiences or vastly different experiences than we're having. And then the souls being tied to each individual in in different ways. You know, are there 12 versions of me? Are there 12 versions of the soul? You know, and are they all having these different experiences and being tied to each other in some way? So these are kind of questions that I'm always asking myself. But the largest part of it is trying to understand this form of the soul and it being this sort of fluid and malleable thing that can shape shift and and reform and and move and shift and shake and all these things as it's coming and going to and from earth and to this like alternate dimension and so i think of the soul as kind of always maneuvering into a different form, whether it be a human form or maneuvering into some other form in this alternate plane. So how do you know when a work is finished? Or when do you know when a work is finished? (laughs) Usually in my process, um, I get to a point where I've developed this particulate of space using fabric dye to a degree where I start to see these kind of forms develop. And once I start to see the forms develop, it's like, um, I don't know, three fourths of the way to the end, because I know once I start to shape the forms into something that is more human-like, I can't push too far because pushing too far, then it becomes less ethereal, it becomes uh, more forced. And I like the forms to kind of look like they're just kind of gliding, floating freely, effortlessly. And so it's like I can tell based on the amount of layers that I've done that I'm almost near the end. And do you think of your audience while you're working? And do you feel they understand your work? I don't think of my audience. I don't think of my audience while I'm making the work. I think because I'm more focused on trying to like pull these figures out into the image and do I think they understand I think in some way they do they might not understand all the nuances that I'm trying to convey with the imagery but I feel like on some kind of some level they they have an understanding of what's what they're seeing um and I I think this because 
a lot of times when I've had works and exhibitions, when children see my work, they immediately know what they're looking at. They might not say, oh, it's a soul. They might say, you know, for lack of better terms, it's a ghost. <laughs> they know that it's some kind of ethereal figure that resonates with them in some way. And I think adults have that same sort of experience, but adults have more nuance to what it is. And so I just think on a, at a very core level, people have some understanding. It, it resonates with them in some way because it speaks to a certain kind of experience, like a spiritual experience. No matter what your background is, I think that you can have some sort of connection when you see a form that could be like a long lost relative or something. Hmm. I think it connects in that way. If you weren't a visual artist, what other career path do you think you would have chosen? I think I would have been an actress. I've always been very interested in acting and kind of per the performance aspect of art as well. We just didn't have the resources for me to be able to kind of take more classes and things like that when I was a kid. Art was more accessible. And so I think if, you know, I had no barriers or anything, I think I probably would have been an actress. How do you keep learning? I try to read um, and look at other artists' work and see what they're doing. I also, every now and then, just chat with some of my artist friends and see what they're thinking and what problems they're working through, see what they're reading, um, and just kind of get feedback and everything, and just try to go to exhibitions and anything that can like help me sort of continue the development of imagery in my mind. Um, I like to read poetry. I also listen to sort of experimental sound or any sound that kind of reminds me of celestial space. For example, the, the soundtrack from Interstellar, I find myself listening to that often. But yeah, mainly, mainly reading. I think the last thing I read was Art in the Mind by Bell Hooks. And then another book was Radiant Human. I can't remember the author's name, but she's an artist that goes around and takes photographs of people's aura. Um, and so I kind of read her ideology about color and, and how different people, based on their current experiences, show a different aura in their, in their photographs. So mainly reading. Do you feel Black art can be defined? I would say no. I don't, I don't think that it can be defined. Um, I also think that it's kind of a way of putting Black art and Black artists into a box in order to be able to say, this is different. This kind of art is different. No matter what mediums we use, no matter what the context or conceptual ideas or richness, vastness of the work that we make, I don't think that it can be defined. It doesn't have to be but it feels that it's always a priority um, in this industry for it to be categorized. And I don't think it has to be. What do you enjoy most about being an artist? I enjoy the freedom. I enjoy being able to own my time. I enjoy being able to bring something into the world that wasn't here before that may add to others' lives in some way. So I enjoy that kind of possible impact that something that I'm creating that's true for me, that's real for me, coming from a, a real place within me, 
that it will connect or touch with a place that's true for others. Um, one of my professors always used to say, we make our soul work and we share this soul work with the world. And so it's a very vulnerable state, but I enjoy being able to share that little bit of vulnerability with someone and letting them see that their vulnerability is real, it's true, um, it's honest, and we're all coming from the same place. So that's why I enjoy about being an artist. When do the titles of the work enter the creative process? It's, it depends. Sometimes I will say a lot of the titles of my work come while I'm working, and it's not necessarily on that specific piece. I write lots of phrases and things on the walls while I'm working. Eventually, I come back to those phrases and use them as titles. Either they're a, you know, just a phrase or it might be just a word. Um, but I also get some of the titles from things that I've read or poetry or something I heard in a song. And it might not necessarily be a song lyric, but it might be you know, the sound of the song, it might be, you know, a, a, a verse that I heard in the song that made me think of something else. And so it's kind of like connecting the dots when I, when I choose the titles. And then sometimes it's just that, you know, I'm just staring at the work and kind of going through in my mind what I was thinking about while I was working on it and then finding a title that fits. Early on, were you influenced by any particular artists or a work of art? Early on, I, I was really interested in the work of Kara Walker, uh, Barkley Hendricks, Carrie Mae Weems. And then I sort of progressed into being interested in the work of Robert Irwin. Also love Sun Ra. He, he's a musician, not an artist, but... Also really love Radcliffe Bailey's work, Turquoise Dyson, the Astor Gates. I feel like all of those artists sort of have influenced me in some way. Uh, also dance really influences my work. There's a dance company based out of Atlanta, Georgia called T Lang Dance. And the, the kind of movement that she produces and she works with different sound producers that kind of develop sound for some of her choreographed works. A lot of that kind of abstracted but that kind of movement that kind of jagged disorienting in some way um, I think about that in my work as well interesting how would you say your practice changed over the years it has changed gradually in terms of the medium in terms of the imagery uh, early on when I was working I was um, working in very in very figure in a very figurative style. I was also using oil paint and then it progressed to well, kind of going back to the drawing board. My main medium that when I'm kind of like at a block, I usually will go back and start working in charcoal. So I went back and started working in charcoal, doing these sort of um, imagined figures. And then it progressed to working with acrylic and painting these figures in these sort of like black, black spaces, just deep black and blue Basis. And then it progressed to removing the figure altogether and just doing these fields of black with kind of text intertwined into them. And then progressed from using acrylic to then working with fabric dye on paper, making these sort of just ambiguous shapes. Wasn't really sure what I was making, but I knew that I wanted to 
think about, still think about the human form, but not actually the form itself. And so that's when I, you know, started experimenting with fabric dye, progressed from fabric dye on paper to fabric dye on canvas and still kind of creating these ambiguous forms. And so then I started to combine these, the kind of texture I was creating with the charcoal and black and blue acrylic paint, trying to think about how that can be uh, mimicked or thought of differently by using fabric dye. So I was using fabric dye and charcoal powder just experimenting with different materials until I got to where I am now, um, where I'm still using fabric dye and then reintroducing acrylic paint, sometimes still using charcoal powder, sometimes using this gold mica powder. Um, and so it's like I've taken little pieces of the different materials and things that I've experimented along the way. And I've now where I am, I incorporate them in, in a different way than I was using them you know, five or seven years ago. Interesting. So share with us, what are you excited about right now? What am I excited about right now? I'm currently at a residency uh, for the Rural Performance Production Lab, the Mississippi Center for Cultural Production in Utica, Mississippi. I'm working on a short film called Alterity Unknown Histories, which is a film that uh, kind of touches on my family's ancestral ties to Utica, Mississippi in a very kind of abstracted way. And so this is like my first kind of large production short film. And I'm really excited to show people the finished product and to kind of reinterpret my own thoughts about my work in a different way. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's great. I've enjoyed this conversation very much, and thank you for going into the details about your practice as you did. What do you feel is the purpose of art, and as an artist, what do you feel is your role? Uh, the purpose of art, in some ways, is to kind of document history, but in also, it, also in some ways, it's we document the, the feeling of a time, I think. And it doesn't mean necessarily realistically, we are the culture bearers of an experience during a certain period of time. And I also think it's our duty to tell the truth. If we don't tell the truth, it's kind of like a conflict of what we do. So I feel like it's up to us to tell the stories in the way that we need to tell them and speak about the things that we see, whether they be imagined or real and speak about it in our, in our own language uh, in a way that makes sense for us to tell it to the world and convey it to, to the world in a way that's meaningful. Thank you for the work you do, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Phyllis. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.